Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, welcome to this special episode of Strictly Hip Hop. The Jesus is King Kanye West album review is here. And I got none other than what I think is the best guest on the planet for this conversation. And that is my man, Don, of the YouTube channel, The Most Unruly. He makes excellent, amazing pieces on Kanye and all sorts of other artists. But particularly, his Kanye videos are absolutely amazing. So we sat down, and this is different than a normal album review. We kind of had talk about gospel, because obviously this album is rooted very strongly in gospel. Kanye himself calls it a gospel album. So we had discussions about just our different experiences through us both being Christians, how uh, how we were brought into gospel music, and how that affected our view of the album as well as, of course, we're talking about the album mainly, and then also kind of a discussion piece of what does this mean for Kanye? Are we entering a new chapter in his career, in his story? And so we debate all of that and much more. So check out this episode. It was a very fun episode, but first some quick housekeeping. So if you have not yet uh, listened to my episode on Strictly Hoop Talk with Nikki Ducey, we went through uh, three to four teams that we just found super interesting five games in this season. I'm going to be doing something like that soon with another guest, which I will, which I will let you guys know. Um, again, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the real Chris Platte, C H R I S P L A T T E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. There, you can find all the information on, you know, what's coming next. Also. I am working on the YouTube video, and I'm hoping to get that up Sunday of the Grammy predictions, if not Sunday, early sometime next week, so stay tuned for that as well. I got other YouTube stuff coming down the line that I will announce, as well as uh, other podcast stuff. But without further ado, let's throw it to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hip Hop. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and returning to this podcast is my good friend, Don, a.k.a. the most unruly, the best YouTube channel in the game, the guy who makes excellent Kanye videos, excellent videos besides Kanye, but specifically those Kanye videos are why he's on this podcast, because there's nobody that does it better than him. My man, Don, how you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on here. Excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, this is, uh, what, your third time now on the podcast, right? <clears throat> yes, third time now. Third time. Third time. Mm-hmm. All strictly hip-hop, right? You're not You're not much of a Hoop fan, are you? 
Um, I try to keep up, but not not enough to be able to like really hold my hold my own in conversations because I, I yeah I don't really I like catch up like here and there at different points in the season, but not enough to like give you like a play by play of what's going on you know on a day to day basis. Yeah, well, it's a good time for you in LA, you know, with the Clippers and the Lakers both being fantastic teams, and the, yeah, and the season starting to shift now, and Detroit's getting cold, uh, starting to get those jackets out there. What's the weather like? Right now, the weather is uh, has been unpredictable. We're finally getting into a cooler, cooler spell now. I live in Orange County, uh, so I, I live approximately fifty miles south of Los Angeles, so. I'm and and I'm also in a coastal city. So, but even then, it still gets cold. And I've been hearing from other friends and stuff around Southern California that it's getting cold. But but then it gets windy, and then it gets hot again, and then there's fires. It's very unpredictable. And it's usually the seasons are really late. So to be honest, it's probably not going to get cold cold for us until about February. Wow, that sounds that sounds like the life. (laughs) That sounds like the life. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are here to talk about Kanye West, Jesus is King. Now, this album is a very interesting album for a lot of reasons, and that is why this is going to be more than just an album review. It's also going to be a discussion because I believe that this is a point in, in the chapter. Uh, this is a strong chapter in the story of Kanye that we're going to look back at in, in, in context when, the, when it's all said and done. But right now, I just want to get your just kind of what was your initial expectations when you heard Kanye's doing a gospel album and you're maybe just hearing either snippets of Sunday service or you're not really following. I don't know how closely you were following Sunday service, but what was like mm-hmm. your kind of thoughts coming into the album? Uh, it's a pretty good question. Uh, it's kind of a loaded question, though, because I did I did follow uh, Sunday service pretty much from the first week that he did it. So I've pretty much followed mostly every week of Sunday service. Uh, I've watched a lot of them. Uh, I watched all of the, I watched the Coachella one from front, like all of it. Uh, so I was pretty, pretty aware of what, of where the music was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could really tell that even though fans were constantly uh, talking about Yandi and when is Yandi coming out, I could clearly tell by the creative shift that was going on that more than likely Yandi was dead as a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I was right about that. I think a lot of people were right about that. Um, and so I already could tell probably by halfway through the year that this album was probably, that album was going to be trashed anyways. So uh, um, so once he said he was coming out with the gospel album and calling it Jesus is King, it just seemed like a natural progression to me. It, I didn't. I was not really surprised at all. I was a little. I think I was surprised by the boldness of the title, but I was almost expecting everything to go to a more uh, spiritual route, anyway. So whether it was Jesus is King or if it was just going to be just like just spirituality in general because of Sunday service, either or, I knew that he was going to go into that realm. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why, to me, I was kind of confused at a lot of people, both um, both just, you know, hip hop media people, as well as longtime fans of Kanye being kind of confused about Kanye shifting to this direction, because, you know, as as I'm sure every podcast or every interview about Jesus is King 
has stated, you know, with Jesus walks, obviously being, you know, like Kanye's had the gospel roots in him since the jump. So to me, I was kind of surprised by the amount of people that were kind of, that were bullish or skeptical of the album coming together. I mean, how, how, how were you, were you getting that same sense? Cause I know you are very well ingrained with, um, with a lot of, with a lot of the Kanye people, the, the, Watch the Throne podcast, which you're on, which was a fascinating listen, and all sorts of other places with all the content you create centered around Kanye. So, what was kind of your feeling on that? Um, <clears throat> definitely. Let me say, follow. Uh, can you rephrase it a little bit? I'm, yeah, I'm just sorry. trying to make sure I give the right answer here. Yeah, sorry. So basically, with my, I was kind of shocked at kind of gauging around the room as everybody was talking as Jesus King, Jesus is King is approaching that I was getting a lot of longtime Kanye fans and just hip hop media people in general saying that, that they were kind of skeptical or kind of concerned that this album was going to be a failure or wasn't going to be good. Despite Kanye always really having that gospel root at the core of a lot of his music. I think, like you said, because he's come out with things like Jesus Walks and many other songs having mentioned Jesus either either directly or even like indirectly, maybe just talking about belief or pursuit of belief. So, you know, The Life of Pablo, calling it a gospel album, you know, you could argue whether it was or wasn't. He even has said at this point that he's like, well, I didn't really know what I was talking about, so that's why I called it a gospel album. But even in there, you know, there's still enough elements that you could be like, okay, I understand why he was trying to call it a gospel album and that the themes do come through in the way that even though it's a hip hop album, you get a sense that he's trying to reach something a little more spiritual. So when when a title like Jesus is King comes out or, you know, all these things, I feel like the skepticism is just because the word Jesus at times is attached to a lot of mediocre things. Not because people don't believe or not because people are, um, you know, want to, they're not even antagonistic necessarily towards faith. You know what I mean? They just see the word Jesus and they probably think about every bad Christian rapper that a church friend tried to show them when they were younger, you know, because everybody knows and either has heard at least one example of Christian music that is pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh Christian, you know, the subgenre of Christian movies is part, you know, is usually full of very subpar movies that are pretty usually low quality. Uh, so I think when it comes to art and in in a mass communicative way uh, over music, movies, or etc., adding the word Jesus to it makes people on edge because they're worried that that means that. It's going to reflect on the quality the way it reflects on the other things that I explained. So they're afraid when they see Jesus, I think they're like, oh, no, is Kanye going to, you know what I mean? Is it going to go like a corny route or is he going to, you know, kill his quality just because he's trying to, you know, be more um, uh, vocal about Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, is is something going to uh, be subtracted essentially by you know, it's ironic, but it's like by adding Jesus, are you going to be subtracting a lot from what, you know, makes Kanye albums great? And I think that's was probably, uh, you know, it's a long winded answer, but I think that's the thought process that kind of goes behind that at times. 
Well, I, you know, that's an excellent point, and that's something that I wasn't really considering as far as far as like Jesus in, in relation to, um, in relation to other surrounding pieces of art. Because we definitely you you brought up a lot of experiences that I have experienced, and I know a good majority of my friends have also experienced. So that's a very valid point. I believe that 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 you're definitely onto something. If that's not the answer, that's certainly a, a part of it. But let's jump into these tracks here of the album, and I want to start with Hands On because um, I told you I told you yesterday when we were talking that I listened to the Watch the Throne podcast that you were on, and I was so glad when you said that Hands On is uh, your favorite or one of your favorites. I think you said I'm not sure if you said it was your your uh-huh. absolute favorite, but that is absolutely one of my favorites, man. It, for the same exact reasons you love it, you know the. The way the vocals are 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 stacked is just so like hypnotic and amazing. It, mm-hmm. It's just it, it's truly a it's truly a, an amazing amazing song that I that I greatly appreciate. But one thing when I was looking this up because um I'm not as well versed in gospel as as you are, so I'm kind of doing my research on Fred Hammond, and of course that starts with the Genius Rap page. And one of the interesting things I I I saw on the Genius Rap page is something I never would have thought of until until now uh genius seems to think that this that the kanye verse in this kind of features shots at drake you know with the with the whole sicko mode verse where where you know kanye says in this song cut out all the lights he's a light where drake says you know cut the lights pay the price you know and so there's a couple lines in here that kind of like that kind of i guess are parallels to sicko mode but i never would have i never would have in a million years thought of that when i was breaking down nah, i think song. that's i think that's a reach yeah <laughs> yeah i think that i think that might be a reach there oh yeah I, I i would definitely i would definitely agree with you i mean you know just like i just i just don't imagine kanye you know doing a song with fred hammond and and all of this and and like thinking okay well i'm gonna throw in a shot at drake you know at the beginning of this song about like praying for me and all that like it's not yeah you know, it, it, it yeah, it, to me, that would just be dumb. And I think it also, it just, I don't think anybody would care, to be honest, yeah. either. They would, they would honestly probably just be like, Kanye, like, we don't care. Why would you put that in there? So I think it's, I don't, I, I definitely don't think it's that. And I'm glad that it's not that, or it doesn't seem like that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. But it's a song, it's a great song. Nonetheless, um, the, the way he uses Fred Hammond's vocals in it is just absolutely amazing to me. Um, you you said now now I know that you're more experienced in gospel as I am as I as I mentioned before. Um, are you how how familiar are you with with Fred Hammond's catalog? Familiar, pretty familiar. Um, I haven't list. I wouldn't say that I've listened to every single album front mm-hmm. to back. Um, but I grew up listening to him. I grew up in uh, I grew up in the church. But you know, like one of my biggest or what I say one of my most uh, I feel like valuable experiences with the church kind of involved um sorry my cat scared the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> like walking around um gosh he threw my concentration off what was i saying right there you were talking about fred hammond and so, your, yeah. your kind of experience yeah so i'm listening yeah i'm listening to his music at a young age uh, my one of my most um I feel like valuable experiences as a Christian was being part of this small um, black church. And it was, I would say like really small in the sense that sometimes it was like 10, it was like a beginner 
beginning, like very small church that was like 10 people. And you mm-hmm. can tell it's like they were starting and they were trying to figure out everything. And But there was still the, the longstanding tradition of gospel music. And so on Sundays, um, I would play one of the keyboards and uh, the pastor's daughter was playing the keyboard and he was playing the drums. And we have people singing and, and just getting very acquainted with gospel music because we have to play it. And But a lot of that was a lot more traditional stuff. We weren't like playing Fred Hammond or whatever, but Fred Hammond was coming out around that time. And one of the albums that I listened to a lot was, I believe it came out in like 99 or 2000, but it's called uh, Purpose by Design. And it's like melodically, like some, probably some of the best like gospel music you'd ever hear. There's a lot of gospel music that's like really good, but like the melodies aren't as catchy. But Fred Hammond is like kind of the king of, of melody uh, when it comes to that. And, and harmonies, you know, as you can tell in listening to hands on, you, uh, like the way that he runs through his melodies up and down and, you know, it's like really fluid. That's, that's just the typical way that he sings. Uh, so yeah, so I just listened to that and, uh, fell in love with that. I still listen to him. I would put him top five musicians of all time. I mean, he can play the bass incredibly. I believe he can play the guitar. Um, you know, he's like, he comes out, he arranges all his music and, he really looks up to Michael Jackson, um, and you can kind of understand, like, he, he is sort of like the Michael Jackson of gospel, if you could say that. Mm. Uh, not necessarily in, like, popularity. Like, more popular gospel artists would be, like, Kirk Franklin. Uh, right. You know, like, the probably, he is probably the most famous gospel artist, I would think. Uh, yeah, I would say so, just from my general perspective. Just from my yeah, general outside you, perspective. Yeah, if you hear the name, you know exactly that it's about music. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so he's the biggest, but, but like artistically and musically, I feel like, uh, Fred Hammond has a lot more, a m- lot more to offer, not to downplay Kirk Franklin, but there's just mm-hmm. a difference. There's a difference in like quality of the production and all this stuff. So I think I can see in Sunday service, you know, Kanye sampled Fred Hammond in a way that actually went, you know, it went viral. Everybody was like going crazy over it. And so I got it. I was excited because, I always kind of wanted to see like what would happen if a big artist like Kanye or even Chance or somebody who was in that realm to like work with Fred Hammond. I always thought that would be kind of cool. And honestly, if I thought if it was going to be anybody, it would have been like with Chance the Rapper first, you know. Right. But but instead, it ends up on, on this album, and and I like the way it turned out. So yeah, in my perspective, having to listen to listen to Fred Hammond for so long that was i i'm not i'm not gonna lie i was like i <clears throat> loaded up the the thing on my phone and i just saw him on the track list and like my heart almost stopped because it like because <laughs> i felt like it didn't feel like real i felt like i imagined it and then i looked at it, i was like oh my gosh he really is on here so i was excited it was it was a really fun track i think yeah it definitely was a fun track and this is a question that i that I think will contribute to the conversation, at least for not only for us, but for the listeners as well, to kind of contextualize our different backgrounds of uh, of church music. And so it might get a little bit off topic here, but I think it's going to tie in with the grand scheme of things. And that is, when, into, I was, yeah. when I was listening to your, your, your appearance on Watch the Throne, and you were talking about um, just your just your experiences through the church, and I was kind of drawing it into a conclusion or to, to how I experienced church, which was I grew up with one church and then my parents moved to a much smaller church when one of the pastors from that church that we liked left to started his own church that's mm-hmm. uh, currently in a strip mall and, you know, continuing to build and, and grow. Yeah. And 
so and my church is predominant predominantly white and so i was wondering as someone like you who kind of who kind of moved around and spent a lot of time in a lot in a lot of black churches you got all sorts of it sounds like you had experiences with small intimate churches and and maybe a little bit larger churches so when when i listen to church music i always wanted to like it um but there was always a disconnect because it just felt like my church was playing kind of the safe simple christian records like you know how great is our god amazing mm-hmm. grace and they weren't yeah. really Every, do- everybody plays amazing Gra- like they everyone plays amazing grace like it just came out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know exactly and so you know and, and the songs were traditional they'd have the structure hook verse hook bridge uh-huh. then a hook again and then mm-hmm. and then usually for the last song they do a little bit of breakdown instrumentation well everybody's having their own individual prayers and and time of worship and so i was wondering if your experiences in the black church like what was was the range of music any different and also um just was like the the songs themselves like the way they did they play with structure more like what was kind of the experience of uh, of music in a black church um well i've only been in for a considerable amount of time i've only been in two black churches one was a very very like like tiny church and we only went like three times so that doesn't count but but there was but i would say the yeah the first two churches that my parents like really committed to going to early on were black churches and so the first was like a mega church in la that was definitely one of the kind where it's like we want all your money so we left Mm -hmm. um but but they had an amazing choir and so you just really got the sense of like like wow like the power of the voices mm-hmm. you know and and just like the melodies and how and ironically that's where i actually first learned about my love of, of rap music because they had some christian rappers that i don't even remember who their name was i'm pretty sure they were only known probably by the people in the church right. and and uh but it was it was good enough. Like the delivery was good enough that I was like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. Like this music's really cool. And I'm really little at this point. And, and then I think my parents are like, Oh no, like we don't want them to start listening. To that. Cause like they're coming out of the nineties, you know, when there's almost no version of hip hop that's safe right. you know, f- for, <laughs> for anyone under yeah. almost, almost anyone under 18 at a certain point, you know what I mean? For some, <laughs> right. for some, for some kids. And, and so they didn't want me like, I guess they didn't want me to like start listening to Christian rap and then being like, Oh, Tupac, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, which I understood, but growing up, I, I like didn't, wasn't around like hip hop a lot, but then like I got, uh, well, let me go back to the gospel thing. So then gospel, uh, then we went to the smaller church and there was very much still like some traditional songs they played, but there was always this room for improvisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was always a room for, there was always room for if they felt, you know, as the spirit moved, you know, as people were getting passionate and emotional or whatever, it was completely fine. Or if like, you know, if the grandmother started praying or raising their hands or, you know, or whatever, like you would play the music to fit the time. So it's like sometimes like, for example, the singers would stop singing because of whatever's going on. Maybe the singer's crying, you know, maybe whatever. So it's your job as a musician to keep the energy going. Because they really believe there's there really is this spiritual connection with the music, mm-hmm. and like the music has to keep going on. If you just cut it off, you know, too early, it's like people feel like you're cutting off the spirit, you know, because there is like this dual connection between like 
what you believe, like when you're in church, it's like, okay, what the word of God is telling you. And also like how the music is like speaking to you. And then in, and then as, as like, um, as a result of it, you know, you're singing, usually you're singing praises to God. Sometimes though, it's all emotion, you know, it goes all instrumental and people are just praying and getting excited and dancing in the aisles or whatever. So there's this real, like just this energy and this lack of shame, like nobody feeling like, Hey, if I step out of the pew, like I'm weird. No, you're not weird because you're just expressing yourself. And that Mm -hmm. time is usually that that's like the only time where that like free expression is really like encouraged in, in the church. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like everything else is people still being very like, you know, trying to keep things, you know, very, uh, well, yeah, holy, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, well, like in the sense of like some people, some churches are are like very strict, you know what I mean? On like Mm -hmm. how they move around and how they act and stuff that may not even be, you know, worth like complaining about. But once you get into like worship, you get to just be as emotional and excited and, you know, loud as you want to be. And so I think that's why, it's such a powerful thing for in the black church, especially for people who mm. visit it and have never had any connection with it before. Typically they get, you know, they're kind of in awe, like, Oh wow. Like they sang for like two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know? And it's like, and the, that was some, I even went to like a more diverse church. It was mostly actually mostly white people, but they were also very like tied into sort of like the more, like I like to think of them more as being focused on the energy of God. That's the way I see it where it's like, there are some churches that are way more strict and they're about like a strict set of rules and, Mm -hmm. and like doctrine and stuff. And then there are other churches that are like, they still believe in Jesus and they believe in all the things that other churches believe in, but they're a lot more, uh, kind of fluid with the way they express their, you know, their faith. So I'd go and it'd be like two hours of worship and like no sermon. (laughs) <laughs> you know like right. because, because they felt like oh and like the music a lot of times was borrowed from you know actual gospel music so it, it wasn't a complete departure it wasn't like they were playing like the type of music that are in typical white churches you know so it was a lot of people kind of drawing from the gospel tradition even though they didn't they weren't all black and so mm-hmm. you know that would happen like just straight up just singing for like two hours and people praying and jumping around and all this stuff and they felt that after two hours, like they essentially received what they needed from God for, you know, for their week, (laughs) you know? And so they didn't feel like they needed to sit down and hear someone talk for 40 minutes or whatever. They felt they were good. And that to me was really interesting. The, the idea that the music can be so powerful that people see it as talking to God himself. You know what I mean? Like, because when you think about it, it's like, okay, so we went to church and we sang and we just went home. You know what I mean, and, right? And so that go to you went to show that they they like for their spirit, it felt satisfying to them, and that's what I love about gospel music is that it can do that, that it can like speak to people, even people who don't go to church or whatever. Like the words are usually so uplifting and so positive that you know, especially if you're in a sensitive place or a, or or a darker place in life, it can like uplift your spirits, even if you don't believe. You know what right. I mean? You're just like, wow, that's like some it's powerful. And that's what, you know, I think that when Kanye kind of starts to bring that into his music, there's like, a you know, there's another energy, there's another tradition, you know, a, a tradition that's much larger than hip hop, you know, that 
uh, a tradition that was also really kind of rooted to an extent in like slavery because you know that's what slaves did to pass the time as they sang spirituals and you know of course then once they were free and they could build their own churches and stuff you know they really were able to organize it and come up with these amazing like beautiful choirs and all this stuff and you know, it's a, it was a beautiful thing to see it grow from something that was oppressed to something that's so free now uh, is, a, is an awesome thing. But also, I think that's the other thing that makes it unique is that it's com- it comes from pain as mm-hmm. well. And, and I think you notice a lot of gospel singers who are there. A lot of songs, you can tell they're singing from their pain. And a lot of them will even sometimes in between songs talk about their pain, you know, and, and or, or just talking about really just going through it you know, and then how they, you know, how they relate to God or whatever. And I noticed that sometimes for a lot of like more traditional churches, and I don't want to always say white churches because you can actually go to other, you know, cultures in America and it's like, it's very similar, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is all like cookie cutter. But the Mm -hmm. one thing I noticed with those cookie cutter songs, a lot of them don't really speak from the perspective of being in pain. No, yeah, they're more so, they're they're not necessarily speaking from the perspective of, Pain, pain they're speaking more from the perspective of just worship and, yes and it's not really um there there's no other layer to it and i think that's a reason that i had uh such a disconnect because it was funny through listening to rap music so my my experience from yours is kind of reversed to make it to make it quick here is like my experience was i would i would kind of my gospel experience came from artists like Kanye sampling gospel where I where I kind of learned that okay that was the sound of gospel and I loved how it was used I, I loved you know the the choir and Jesus walks and you know all sci high sam- when he sampled some soul stuff on or, or some gospel stuff on his on his album no dope on mm-hmm. Sunday like there's a bunch of artists were kind of sampling that and that mm-hmm. was my experience to it because I because I was just growing up in a church that was playing you know the same mainstream christian songs in a very simple same, yeah same uh, chords and every song yes and, yeah. and you know and i don't mean to and i don't mean to discredit because you know it should be it should be not about uh about your talent but about the fact that you're worshiping there so i don't want right, to knock, exactly. knock these people but they weren't necessarily the best of singers and the most talented and they didn't you know have uh, a conductor really arranging them it was more so just everybody kind of sung to their own heart and so and and there is a beauty in that but you know it just it it just seems like such a vast different um experience with other with other churches and and what i got from sunday service when i went to detroit um to see kanye for sunday service it was it was a vastly different experience when they're you know they're doing hallelujah for three minutes and Mm -hmm. i'm not getting sick of it at all and then they're and then they're breaking it down and having, um, you know, bringing bringing the hook back, or, you know, doing these crazy bridges where Kanye would just get on the, get on um, and start chopping beats live in front of us, and it was just it was just a free flowing energy that you spoke of that really, um, that that really made me um, kind of fully contextualize why I like uh, the gospel style that I like because again my introduction to it was kind of almost backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. And I think, well, yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's what had me so excited for this Kanye album because it's somebody that didn't really 
hasn't really yet fully dove into gospel the way that the way that I should, knowing how much I like it, um, made me excited because I, I knew it was going to push me to that level into if it was done right. But um, enough with that. I think that's just a I think that was just a very interesting concept. Uh, conversation to have regardless of how well it fits in the podcast uh what why don't you don bring up one of the one of the songs on this record that you're interested in highlighting uh i'm just trying to make sure that i want to talk about the same song that i said i was going to talk about yeah i do okay (laughs) the um close on sunday is like that one that one just goes that one's good to me to me it is i know a lot of people immediately when he says uh close on sunday you're my chick-fil-a they got all like surprised or offended that it was low effort or whatever my question is how how can you be a fan of kanye and not like that line yeah i mean that that's see that's a good point as well but then it was also just kind of the idea of i saw the title i know well first of all yeah exactly we already know that kanye says you know certain lines that feel out of place and they're hilarious so When I saw the title close on Sunday, in my mind, by default, you have to talk about Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I like I don't know what else you would like immediately. I just got the sense that there's going to be a Chick-fil-A bar in here because the only time I ever truly crave Chick-fil-A is on Sunday. I don't when know, you know how you can't it have it when you know you can't have it. And a lot of times it comes up out of nowhere. You know what was really sad is I went to go see Kanye's Sunday service the one right after the album came out and he started with clothes on Sunday. And so after I left, I really wanted Chick-fil-A and I was, <laughs> and I was mad. Uh, but um, it's not just that though, because people say it's not deep. It is true. I don't want to get all like reach, like uh, like rap genius on everyone and be like every single thing that Kanye says is, you know, got a, it's a double entendre or everything mm-hmm. has an extra meaning. That's not true. I mean, I'm, there, I'm sure there's a lot of lines that even Kanye would admit are just like, yeah, it's just exactly how it sounds, and, you know. Right. But the concept of being closed on Sunday, saying you're my Chick-fil-A, clearly he's talking about somebody. There's someone that he's – so he wants to have Chick-fil-A on Sunday, but he can't. So right. he's saying, you're my Chick-fil-A, so there's a woman that he wants to have on Sunday, but he can't. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, you're my number one with the lemonade. You're my favorite whatever. Like, it's, you, I love this. I really want this. And then, uh, but then he starts to go on about, you know, keeping his home safe and keeping his family safe and all this stuff. And at the end... Of I believe I don't know if it's like the first verse or if there's even two verses in it, but at the end he says Jezebel doesn't even stand a chance. And so the whole time, if you listen to the song, it's not even uh, like I said. I'm not even trying to be deep. I didn't. I kind of I understood this on the first couple listens, so I didn't really dig that deep. But if you just listen with that in mind, that the concept that Chick Fil A that you can't have on Sunday. It's a metaphor for a woman or a person that you can't have on whatever your Sunday is. And so when you look at it from that, then look, I want to protect my family to now this woman who wants to tempt me. Because Jezebel only means that. It's, you know, it's only connected to the concept of a woman that wants to tempt you. 
Yeah, so, just like Keisha. Just like Keisha. Every every street right, rapper has a song about a Keisha. Right, exactly. So, you know, that, uh, it's clear that, he's, that what he's right. talking about, he's been trying to avoid, like, this woman that he's craving, but he's like, I can't do this. I got to protect my family. I got to do So, I like it. I like that. You know, it makes me appreciate it even more. But, of course, the sound, you know, I, I just like the bass and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I like how they're doing, like, interesting stuff without using, like, a traditional 808. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, they're... an 808 with this would have just been a smash hit. Like it, if it, it would have been. Uh, but I think it would, you know, the funny part is I feel like it could still be a smash hit right now. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know mm-hmm. why it's not. It's for some, It didn't catch on as much as Follow God, which is right before it. But yeah. Follow God is like the mainstream favorite. Yeah. Uh, but Close on Sunday, I like that one more than Follow God. I like the whole album, but Close on Sunday is like... I like that one a lot. Yeah. Close on Sunday is a very interesting record. And the point that you brought up about um, about it being, you know, towards maybe infidelity or something along those lines um, or, ju- or just pure lust kind of speaks to Kanye's mentioned in multiple interviews, you know, his that he believes that Jesus really saved him from a sex addiction. So, yes. So, you know, so that can very much, again, tie into the whole theme of of the album, which is Kanye finding Jesus through his own path. Like, this is, this is at the end of the day, as much as he wants it to be a gospel album, through songs like Closed on Sundays, On God, and a couple other records where he really, he's really talking from his perspective. And so we're, get, we're not necessarily getting, you know, we're not getting 11 Amazing Graces, right? We're getting you know, kind of Kanye's story, right? With at least yeah. when it comes to at least when it comes to um this recent, you know, being saved uh by Jesus and all all of that. But yeah, Close on Sunday is a great song. The one thing is, you know, I, I talked about the eight oh eight cheat code and I would be lying to you if I didn't if I didn't the first time I heard it, because um, I heard it at the Fox Theater obviously. Mm-hmm. And when and when when I was listening for the Fox Theater Detroit listening party, it was it was through the Fox speaker, so it was really picking up the bass and all that more than the other instruments. Gotcha. So I knew there was other things in, intertwined with this beat, but what was standing out to me was the bass. So it actually did sound like it had a heavy 808. Now I don't know if that if again if he actually had some some stronger 808s in there and took those out. Or if that was just the speaker, but I would tend to believe that that was the speaker because that was kind of my my general assessment of a lot of the album when I was <clears> listening <throat> in Detroit was that uh, I couldn't really pick up all of the in- instrumentation, which is really what you get into Kanye for is you get into it for the arrangement of it. So it kind of it kind of cheapened that listen. But, I agree. I agree in the sense that that can happen. Um... I've also noticed, like, I understand there's a lot of people who are like, it's mixed terribly. I also feel like a lot of people who say that don't even know how to mix. So yeah. I think it's mixed differently. It's, because... it, it's oh, sorry. I, I just wanted to finish the point about. So with that, I will say, because you're talking about the Fox Theater, um, the album sounds way better in the car. It sounds way better on my speakers than it sounds in my headphones. And so if most people, like, if they're, most of their first listen is in their headphones, mm-hmm. you're kind of missing out on the, like, what 
quote unquote the real experience. But then, of course, then that's kind of a sign that it wasn't mixed the best because it should right. kind of sound consistent. You know what I mean across right. across mediums. So, but if for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't done it yet or gave up on it, play it in the car if you haven't, or play it on some speakers if you haven't. It's really different. I agree. I I, I agree. It's definitely it definitely has a, a much fuller feel when you listen to it through those uh through through any type of speaker as opposed to um your headphones as opposed to your headphones it's almost like it's almost comes across a little bit muffled would you say at times uh uh, and if not muffled but like somewhere some just seem kind of flat like when i play when i play it on the speakers there's certain like elements in like a synth or something that like sound clearer or sharper or whatever and then yeah, I'll play them in my headphones, and it's like, uh, I just feel like the edge is kind of gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, the, like, the sh- like it, something's hit better on the other speaker, so. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's um, and that's something we'll get into with overall thoughts with the mixing. But yeah. Close Out Sunday to me is a great record. Um, the, only, the only knock is, again, I think it could have used more to it. I, I feel like the uh, abrupt ending... Well, it certainly is in Kanye's character, especially with his recent um, his re- recent releases. Like he did that on Ye a couple times, where he'd abruptly end on Tiana Taylor's album. He'd do no fade out stuff like that. But I I feel I can't help but and and this applies to a, a lot of the album. I can't help but look back at Graduation, My Beautiful Dark Twist Fancy, where he would really kind of take us on the on these journeys and every time you you thought the song was ending or reaching its climax it would go to another level mm-hmm. and it, it was just so it was just so masterfully crafted and mm-hmm. close on sunday to me always feels like it feels like there should be a rap verse in there somewhere or something or, or just uh, something more when i listen to it do you get that feeling or is that just me no, I don't think it needs a rap. I, I honestly just wish it was longer. You know, maybe just another. Um, I don't even know if another verse. I just, you know, I, I just extend it like another yeah. thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. I feel you know. I think would make it feel more full. But I like see the thing I like about the short songs though is it makes you really want to hear it again. Yeah. You know, and I know some people like kind of like hate on like, oh, the only reason why Kanye is getting so many streams is because, you know, it's 11 songs and so short. Like, sure, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But from the audience perspective, not thinking about numbers, you know, from the audience perspective or giving this product to the audience, you know, Kanye and everyone knows that the shorter the song and if it hits you, then you're going to repeat it. Right. And you know what I mean? And a lot of times, yeah, like Runaway is great, but, um, you know, if all these songs were that long, you're not going to get as many people coming back to stuff, especially if they're not sure if they like it or not. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you're not sure if you don't like it or not, like you can still give like uh, Jesus the King a couple listens, you know, and not feel like you really like wasted your time if you don't like it that much. Yeah, you can't really give Lupe Fiasco's album three lists if you're not sure after the first one. Right. That's no disrespect to Lupe because I, I liked his last album. But, you know, with those longer bodies of work with just both songs and albums, you can't. Or you a can't mainstream version, or even Drake is a good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Drake's an artist where most of my friends, they listen to it one, two times, maybe tops, front to back, 
and then they play the records they like. And sometimes it'll change because every Drake song is on the radio, so they are exposed to those songs more than, you know, what what a normal one, two traditional listen would be. Right. But at the end of the day, it's still, let me go through and let me add these three or four to my playlist and right. go about go about my day. Right. Um, let's let's jump to my last record that I want to bring up, which is which is where I ultimately reside as my other favorite on this album, and that is God Is. Yeah. That to me is this sounds like my favorite version of Kanye gospel music. Uh, the beautiful James Cleveland Southern California sample. And I love that Kanye, when he's not afraid to use his imperfect high-pitched melodies or just just even even um, just really le- leave his voice vulnerable like on everything on the Nazir album. That's some of my favorite Kanye singing ever when he has... Um, oh, his, his yeah. That. I and forgot on, about that. Yeah, yeah. And Ghost Town on Ye, I absolutely... I love when Kanye gets into that bag of, I know I can't sing, but this is just truly... There, there's a different level of heart that comes with it when he when he lets himself be imperfect rather than correct himself. Yeah, I like that too. It's it feels like even more soulful. You know what I mean? Like yes, like the absolutely. fact like the fact that he's like trying so hard already kind of shows his spirit. You know what I mean? It shows exactly. that he's like passionate because he's really trying hard to make it sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that's and that's kind of one thing that really made me take away from this album. This song in particular made me really believe because as a Christian, but also as a Kanye fan, I'm torn on both sides of the fence. Like I, you know, I see what what happened with Kanye and Ye is this he's always had this spirituality in him, but is this kind of, you know, trying to mask uh mask you know, the last year or any of the turmoil with him as far as like as far as like um not musically but you know from a from a public relations perspective from a from a image perspective right so a part of me is going into a tie but it was this song and other songs on the salva that made me go no he really really truly uh, is passionate about this this is one of the songs that made me say okay he is not just doing this i don't believe he, he i don't believe he's he's not genuine in this approach yeah, and I, I think somebody I saw, I mean, those are all good points. Somebody on Twitter I saw said, um, you know, no one asked for this from Kanye. You know, True. no one, there is nothing about this album that anybody asked for or were anticipating or that Kanye would even be sure that they would like. Nothing. This is not like any of the other albums he's made. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, one of those things where it's, like, as soon as that title was, you know, announced and all this stuff, like, you could already get a sense that people were just, like, what is happening? And not necessarily, right. not necessarily like, in a positive way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then you start playing it, and one of, my, one of my favorite comments that I saw on Reddit, just scrolling through, trying to see people's reactions, like, one of the top ones was, like, this man's really talking about Jesus, <laughs> because like people thought it was gonna be just a title i think right you know what i mean and so uh yeah no i <laughs> it's actually really funny when you think about it <laughs> but nobody like i said nobody asked for this it clearly comes from his heart yeah 
you know. I, I definitely I definitely believe that, and God Is was a record that won me over. And the only knock I have on it is a simple one. And, you know, granted, you can you can say that. Actually, I'll save that point for, for when I get to the final my final thoughts on the album. But, you know, this song is three and a half minutes, so the song is one of the more completed songs on the project. But the simple fade-out ending is just not what I'm expecting from a genius like Kanye. Mm. You know, on that. And, and while I love the instrumentation, I just... I wish it could have it could have ended just a little bit differently. Mm. That's my that's my only knock on the song. You know, I think you could say that for a lot of songs on it. You know, I think mm. this is one of those Kanye albums where it's like, you know, I love. I don't even want to say I love. I appreciate every Kanye album, and whether I love it or not, I feel like kind of ebbs and flows. I usually end up loving everything after you know, after a little Enough bit time. of time. Uh huh. Um, so with Jesus is King, you know, I think um, you could just tell that for some people it was just really going to be like a love it or hate it thing. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of people in between. You know, there might be one or two people that are like, I like one song. But right as of right now, it's like really, really split down the middle. Um, and that's really interesting to see, you know, even though I love it and even though um, I kind of know that. I'm just the type of person who's enough of a Kanye fan about so many various things that he does that a lot of times like the art comes out and there's so many things I can appreciate that maybe the average person doesn't appreciate. So I can understand like, I don't even know, like this is not necessarily the album I would recommend to listen to. Like if you're trying to get into Kanye and you don't really, you know what I mean? So that's an interesting thing about this album. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And we'll get into more of that on the end, but let 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 let's bring up your last record that you want to mention. So, what's the last record on here you want to speak on? The last one that I want to talk about, talk about. Actually, I'm checking what. Okay, on God, on God. I felt like was a. I really the beat was really good. I feel like it was like it should have been louder. Yes, that would have been really good. But uh, it was still. I felt the delivery was really powerful. I really liked the idea of him like praising God for like, like giving glory to God for his influence and, you know, the things that um, just like, he wasn't afraid to also talk about being a human and thinking that he's the greatest artist alive. And like, he didn't stop being Kanye in that song, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time was showing how this time though, I'm giving glory to God for my accomplishments, you know? And then, so in, in one way, that's almost, I honestly think that's like a more powerful thing to say, uh, because it really does take a certain level of faith to truly believe, you know, cause not everyone believes that it takes a lot of faith to truly believe that God is what guided you to, you know, a successful life, whatever your definition of success is. Yeah. You know, especially if you're that successful, especially if you're that successful, you know, and he had most people, of course, in his world in specifically his world, because most of us don't ever won't ever have to deal with it. But in specifically his world, people who win that much, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. hard to give glory to God um, because it's like, yo, like I'm pretty good at what I do and I've been doing it for so long and I keep winning. So it takes humility to say that, look, but the reason I keep winning is because you know, just the fact that I can breathe every day, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) the fact that like God woke me up in the morning, you know? So like, you really kind of, there's a humility of like, especially when he said like, um, 
you know, I bleached my hair for every time I could have died. Talking about his breakdown, also referencing he also referenced his car accident and just yep. you know, but he's saying like that's on God, you know, the reason why he survived, you know, it's on God and it's more than just you know, obviously the the, the saying of on God. People say you know, just you know, the equivalent of I swear to God, you know, on God right. this, on God that, and so it's funny though how he uses the word on God. Yeah, he uses it in that way, but then at the same time he's like actually like look. This is this is on God. This is on Him. This is on His time. This is on His. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is like two ways to say it. So I really like that He did that. Um, and just it was, I just felt like it was just really inspirational. You, you could really get the sense that He was pumped up, you know, by what He was experiencing, by what He is experiencing right now. You know that yeah. he, he feels He feels kind of almost invincible because of it. You know. Yeah, and the beat definitely reflects that invincibility. Um, with with how strong with how strong it is, and it would have even it would have been that way even amplified if if he had made it louder. Yeah. Uh, but the thing the thing about on God that I appreciate, well, it's not my favorite. Uh-huh. I appreciate it because it's arguably like the most Kanye esque record on the album, in, uh-huh. in a sense. Yeah. And and I really that's what I was looking forward to with the Jesus's King because if you remember with Ye. Kanye was in the interviews after after the TMZ thing. He was saying, "Oh, like once you hear the album, it'll all make sense." And I didn't feel that way. Yeah, it definitely with, didn't. Make with the sense. album, yeah. it didn't. It didn't really. He didn't really explore those too much mm-hmm. um, on, on a deeper level. And On God was the most Kanye record where it felt like it was Kanye's. It, it felt like it was Kanye's story to an extent um, about just even though it was mostly about you know his his success and how he glorifies that uh or how he gives that credit to god but it it still was the most it it was a song that he talked about himself the most and that's kind of not to be not to be um selfish but that's kind of what i was looking for because i was fascinated by this strong change in kanye because it seemed to be a very strong change you know starting the sunday service canceling a whole album you know when you're when you're kanye you know and any album that you drop is going to get you know x amount of dollars x amount of attention this this and that so to scrap that whole album to do the whole sunday service for a year to do all these coachella performances everything that at all the time that he put into this um i was it, it was a very strong shift from what we saw last year in, in 2018 kanye so I was very fascinated to get that story, and I feel like this was w- probably some of the closest we got to it. And on and on hands on, where he didn't really elaborate, but he talked about you know the Christians judging him, and I wish he would have dove into that more. But that's really on on God in in particular is a record that really kind of makes me mm-hmm. wish that I got a different version of Jesus is King, in that in that sense. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not a lawless uh project but what i do like is that um for as much as people say you know that it's not deep enough or whatever i would say that there are things said in here even like especially from a christian perspective there's things said in here that a lot of different people can relate to you know what Mm -hmm. i mean not everybody relates to the same parts but you know some one person might be newly saved too and so they really understand the energy you know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're like, yes. And then some people, you know, uh, you know, like follow God, right. It's like talking about, you know, just like 
the family like spats and stuff that you can have and how it's hard to be a Christian in those moments. That's relatable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so like all songs may not be relatable to everybody. You know what I mean? But every one from what I've seen looks like, like it has a place, you know, that someone can relate to it. So that's, that's something that's interesting because it's not, he's not necessarily being that deep, but like the, his usual way of, of, of writing lyrics, the, the few lyrics that he like, you know, that are in, in his music. Cause there's not as many as there used to be the way that they hit nowadays is kind of from that, um, from that thing of like, okay, it may not be that deep, but you understand what I'm talking about. You yes, know, sort of like the, like the line about, you know, somebody took a sandwich in the life of Pablo. Like, out of context, that makes zero sense. <laughs> but the context is, you know what it's like. You know what it feels like when someone does that. I don't have to explain it anymore, you know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that to me since we're we're in overall let's transition to our overall thoughts yeah and that to me is really um something that i was disconnected with and i had another conversation done as someone who's more versed in gospel than i am mm-hmm. um you might you might have an interesting counterpoint to this but okay. um you know i i got some pushback from some people that i talked to saying you know well it you know kanye said this is a gospel album and gospel tends to be, you know, you a little bit less uh, substance driven than hip hop as a as a genre collectively. Mm-hmm. And so, my my comeback to that is, well, Kanye in songs like "On God" and "Hands On" when he talks about how the Christians judge him, like he continuously, um, not continuously. That might be that might have a negative. Uh, connotation to it but he did but he but he did often take the scope back from um jesus to his relationship with jesus and he also classified it as a hip-hop album Mm -hmm. so to me i don't think it's i don't i don't think that you can use that as like a blanket for his uh lack of substance because i think we all agree that when it comes to kanye projects this one is on the lower end in in terms of substance you could say that, but you could also say the same thing about Jesus. You could say the same thing about Ye. At this mm. point, he's kind of at the point in his career now. You could even say that actually about a, quite a few songs on, on Pablo, actually. I mean, actually, true. people have actually said that the only thing that they feel of substance on Pablo was his No More Parties in L.A. track. You know what I mean? There's some people mm. that because he's more like uh, rapping the way people would typically want him to rap. So, right. but. But, you know, from Jesus to Yay to Jesus is King, I would say the writing is all very similar. You know, yeah. it, it's all very, like, very concise, not too many sentences, you know, not really, no complicated rhyme schemes. It's really, yeah. I feel like it's just imagery that he puts in there. And, like, mm-hmm. sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. But, like I said, it hits for different people at different times. And also, I think the other thing is he did say there are a lot of things that really relate to the church, you know, in this, that, you know, obviously someone who goes to church can really relate to Uh, a lot of times they don't need to hear all the depths of it. And he did say that he is in a state of his career where he would like to make more art for the church. I think because he feels like he's made so much art for everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's also like that aspect in it too, that I think he also knows 
that there is some aspects that will be alienating and certain things you may not be able to win out win people over with. And so I think he is not really concerned with that now, but at the same time, he's really still trying to figure it out. So I, I imagine in future albums, we might get more, uh, you know, more depth. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up something on Watch the Throne podcast, which I want you to elaborate on here because I thought it was an absolutely brilliant point was the just the kind of overwhelming process that is recently being saved and how, you know, this can be because it, it is in such a short window since Kanye, you know, has become quote unquote saved that, you know, that that you can almost feel the jumbledness um, at times in this album, uh, with, which would make sense with your theory that, you know, that being saved again is an overwhelming process because it's a total, it's a total change in life form when you, uh, in, in your life, when you, ex- when you accept the fact that, you know, Jesus and God is like, it is in my life and they are the cause of this, this and that. And I now have a relationship with them when I previously didn't, or if I did, it was a bad relationship. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's true. Yeah, and I think that that's just an excellent point that you made. So um, I don't know if I'm getting it across. Am I getting it across right? Uh, did you want to expand on that, or am I am I really kind of uh, paraphrasing it correctly? No, sorry. I was just taking in everything you were saying so I could think of, you know, mm-hmm. what I was going to say. So. Um, no, no, no. Your question or thoughts, both, they, they, they all make sense. I think with being saved for a lot of people, it is that idea of, like you said, it's a new life. It's a lifestyle change. Um, but a lot of times with people who are saved, it's not like the way uh, people who are unbelievers might think. Like some unbelievers see it as like, oh, you have to like change your behavior, like stop doing this or stop doing that. And you know, they look at the process as like very difficult, like kind of against their own will, you know, mm-hmm. kind of forceful, almost forceful, you know, uh, and for a lot for sadly, there is a lot of people who can relate to it that way. But I feel like that's usually because there's people who have taught them the wrong ways, the wrong ways to look at salvation. Well, typically when someone's saved, like they truly feel they're saved from their sins and they feel like they can have the like the clarity and the freedom to like follow God and be a better person and you know uh, and uh, you know enjoy the afterlife like all those things people they get excited of course naturally and so a lot of times for those people it's not that they don't feel uh, forced they don't feel that mm-hmm. it's an actual voluntary thing and typically that's why some people are like you know I went to church but I wasn't saved because a lot of times they don't really have that that moment. I think where they say they like are gonna voluntarily believe in God and that they need God, as opposed to just like it's forced on me. You know what I mean? Or yeah. so. So uh, when they do that, you know, a lot of times it starts usually with like a conviction of some sort of sin, and you know, everybody, you know, whether people want to pinpoint like if a sin is worse than the other, that's not really what matters. We all know deep down inside what our sins are you know what i mean and right. and so typically it's usually like a conviction of that so in this case Kanye's talking about his sex addiction you know for someone mm-hmm. it might be an actual substance addiction or you know or something uh or infidelity especially in that context and so god 
wherever wherever Kanye was, he says it was around Easter or whatever, which is around uh, Coachella Sunday service. You know, typically people are ministered to, you know, if you're surrounded by a choir, you're definitely being ministered to, you know, on a constant mm-hmm. basis. So, you know, you start to hear about God and if you start to feel guilty or weighed down or whatever by your what you feel are sinful things because you know i don't really want to get into what is sinful and what isn't because to be honest a lot of people have different views but really what does matter is when god convicts you of your sin you know what i mean Mm -hmm. your specific sin and so he in this context said he wanted to give up his sex addiction and so in in being freed from that and feeling that he can you know rely on god and not rely on his addictions you know and follow god and 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 you know do these sunday services or whatever he'd rather do that than you know serve sex and that makes sense why he would be so excited about jesus i mean he gave up a sex addiction you know for jesus yes. you know what i mean you you don't do that unless you want to follow jesus you know what i mean it's like especially in a world like he lives in the celebrity world and you know, I don't know, obviously, the context of what his marriage was like or whatever, but or is like, but, but you know, you know that someone like him is constantly surrounded by that. So if you're willing to give that up, you know, I think that's a clear sign that you wanted to, you weren't forced to. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. And just to kind of finish where I stand with the album, mm-hmm. um, you know, so my issues would be would be a little bit with the mixing, uh, like like you said with the with the headphones. I agree with that, and then sometimes sometimes a little bit in the speakers. Like, follow God seems to be like there's sometimes where like the words will dip under the beat and then come back up over the beat, but for the most part, um, just minor minor mixing. I don't think it's as terribly mixed as people say it is. Um, and then also the other the two major problems, which was the lack of content, which we just spoke on. Right. Um, you know, and, and the fact that I'm getting the better context about his, you know, with his sex addiction and all that, I'm getting that context in interviews rather than the album. But at the end of the day, I'm judging the album, not judging Kanye or anything else, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the, just the album. So I, I can't really, you know, justify, I can't really justify that because it's not really, because it's not mentioned in the album really too much in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the incomplete nature of a lot of songs. Like, again, when you're when you're reviewing an artist, as much as you try to have a baseline, objective score rating, all that stuff, you are always kind of looking back at to some degree uh, their previous work. And so, you know, these albums like Graduation, My Beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy, where again he crafted all these long, masterful songs with elaborate arrangements and structures. On this album, tracks like God Is, Close on Sunday, Jesus is Lord, all had great production, but I felt they were missing that. They were missing that that next level um, to, to really make it make it a solid album. Like it's Well definitely minutes. Jesus is Lord, especially if you heard of the extended version. Yeah, which I did uh, through the through the film. Yes. But but I can't even remember it one time. You saw the film, right? Yeah. I take it? Yeah. Yeah. The film that shot when um that it's not the opening shot, but it's like, but it's the first shot of the Sunday service where it's the where it's the um, conductor like that shot where it's uh where it's like at his feet, and he's and it's got the and it's got the open dome with the beautiful sky. Oh yeah, and 
I love that. And he's man. conducting. That was that was an amazing shot. That speaking, was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. Speaking of that, because I was talking to my friends about it, and I was like, man, I really hope that he makes that place. James Terrell makes that place open for the public. And Kanye donated like $10 million to the project, I guess. So now James Terrell, he's saying like in the next five years or so, uh, he's going to make it open to the public. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so now, you know, you'll get to actually walk in and, you know, see the space, you know. So that's interesting, you know, the the Kanye effect, you know. Yeah, the Kanye effect. But yeah, the the issue again to get back with the with with the incomplete songs like Jesus is the Lord, Cosa Sunday God is all these songs are great and I really enjoy their production. I genuinely do, but they always just give me this bittersweet taste because of how how they end either they end too abruptly and i'm not the and i'm not the musical genius that kanye is so i can't i can't say oh this is exactly what you should have done mm-hmm. i don't know i just know that in my gut it feels it, it it feels almost incomplete like 11 tracks 27 minutes doesn't sound right to me like if this if he kept all these tracks and for these 11 tracks if he did like say 35 a 35 minute project mm-hmm. That then I think it I, I think it would sound a lot better. Like if he just added to what was here, I think he had a really really great album that I would probably put much higher in his discography than I have it right now, which is you know near the bottom with 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 Ye. So yeah, that to me is really my only. So that's why I would give it, if I had to give it a score, I give it a six point five out of ten because I really love a lot of it. And truth be told, I want to love it more than I do. But it just again the incomplete songs and the lack of structure, or the lack of content, I should say, um, really kind of hold it back for me, and, and really and really kind of just dampen um, dampen my listen of it, you know, because I wanted to love an album like Kanye for for someone as a Christian for Kanye a big star that he is to really bring that to the forefront if he would have done it in an excellent amazing way. I think he could have even, you know, because I'm sure this music has had some effect on some people religiously. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I I'm would, sure. I'd say that's a very, very safe assumption considering his popularity. Of course. So, you know, if if it was done to an even better degree and it could have got, you know, more people in, in that light or just even just musically been better for, for more people to appreciate, mm-hmm. that would have been an absolutely awesome thing that I would have that I would have loved to see. It's kind of the same way I felt about the Chance album. Now, granted, the Chance album is just totally bad, so Kanye had a much stronger foundation than Chance, mm-hmm. but just the principle of an album about love and marriage, like a whole album dedicated to it, that's a really cool and unique story that's not really being uh, that's not really being fully explored right. in that's hip-hop. True. It's only And if you tell only it wrong, certain tracks. if you tell that story wrong, then yeah. it's hard to it's connect a, it's to. It's a missed yeah, it's a it's a missed opportunity. I almost wish Kanye could could redo this album or like add it, you know, for a couple months, just tweak it for for a couple months even. Well, that's the funny know, thing say, about Kanye albums too is that at least from what I've seen over the past, you know, however long, is that it's a mix between rushing the albums and being a perfectionist at the same time. Absolutely. You know, it's that weird thing cuz at least based on the way he updates stuff, you know, the the things that leak or whatever, it just really sounds like, you know, honestly, that that could have been a realistic 
you know, deadline at one point, September, you know, whatever it was. But then when, mm-hmm. you know, when you keep going back and you keep going back and you got to keep changing things up to the last second, that's, it, it's hard to, it, I don't, I can't, I don't, I, there's no even like, uh, the reason why I'm stuttering is because there's not even an answer for it, you know, because that yeah. that's a specific, that's something that he'll have to figure out himself. And, you know, there are some things, right, where it's like an artist, well, if he just does this, you know, then things will work out. I, I don't know for Kanye because it just seems like no matter what deadline he's going to put, he's still going to be working to the last second. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Very true. If you give him an indefinite deadline, that it might be a whole detox situation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I understand what you're saying when you feel like some things are a little short or things are could have been longer or whatever. I think that... That's definitely how most people feel. Even I think people who love the album would still think the same way. If it was like this, it would be you know even crazier. Of course. So uh, why don't you why don't you wrap up with your o- overall thoughts, and then we'll get into a little discussion about Kanye. So what would you rate it out of ten, and and just what are your kind of overall thoughts that you haven't really uh, if you haven't really touched on anything throughout the review. Um, well, I think the thing is, I don't like rating albums numerically, uh, just because, uh, I'm always wrong in the sense of in my mind, because usually what ends up happening is I'll rate something in my mind before when I was like, I'd rate something like a, like a seven, but I'm listening to it like it's a 10, you know what I mean? So like in this case, all I listen to is jesus king right now because uh, i you know I, that's how much i love it but at the same time you know it's not as good as my beautiful dark twisted fantasy right you know uh, it's not as good as 808s and heartbreak mm-hmm. you know but at the same time i don't think it's bad i don't even think uh it's hard for me to rate what it is because i enjoy it how it is you know what I mean? So it's hard to right. and and it's so much its own thing. It's like you can't That's you true, can't too. compare it to another album. So like for what it is, I really love it. Now if we were uh-huh. if we were to use it like okay, if you're trying to talk to the average person who doesn't really know Kanye and you're trying to say that Dark Twist of Fantasy is number one, which most people would say, uh, mm. and if that's a ten then I would probably honestly put Jesus King at 7.5 for two reasons. One, because I love it. I love it like it's a 10, but the issues with the sound, the fact that it sounds different from the headphone to the car to the speakers, it can be misleading for some people. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Like, and, if, and like I'm listening on my Beats headphones, so I don't even know if you're listening on headphones that aren't as good. Maybe it sounds you know, even less quality. So mm-hmm. that, I don't want to say it hurts it because like I said, nothing else sounds like it. But at the same time, like I said, if you listen to it in your headphones a couple times and you didn't like it, and then someone is like driving in their car and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a completely different project. Did he change it? It's like, no, it's always been like this in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So Very true. So, that, so that's a bit of an issue. Um, I think the other issue is... Um, I think because uh, it's hard to explain. I, I think the mixing is definitely one. I think also in the fact that some things do feel incomplete. Jesus is Lord being cut off at 49 seconds. I thought it was a mistake at first. 
like I thought that someone like didn't export it right <laughs> you, yeah. because the, the, the way it ended I feel like for such a big album that's not the best ending to have that's just me that's just you right. know what I mean but I like it because I'll listen I'll listen to it on loop so when Jesus the Lord ends it goes right back into every hour and that's cool but yeah. you know but uh, if you don't have it on repeat it's really jarring uh, and, and I think the other thing I would probably say is that um, it's just the type of content that you just can't, it, I just don't expect most people to enjoy it. I really see it being split down the middle, a 50-50 situation. Mm -hmm. That seems to be what the critic reviews have broken down to. And it looks like a lot of user reviews are all over the place on the internet, all are around like 5 and 50%. Yeah. So 5 out of 10 and 50%. So I would put it higher than that because, like I said, I think it's quality in terms of production. Uh, Absolutely. The choices, the arrangements, the whatever, you know. I think the issue is that people, because of the mixing and the headphones, you know, they're like, oh, well, because of the mixing, it's not that good. And it's like, no, that's not really how it works. Like, every hour is so great. Say lost, those drums are still hitting. What else really sounds like that right now? You know, uh, yeah. all that stuff, I think, still puts it above a lot of other albums this year. I, it does. It, it takes chances in interesting ways. The chances, of, it, it's not the content that so much takes chances and in the sense of it's a chance for it's a it's a risk for Kanye. But overall, it's safe material. You know what I mean? Like it's safe material right. for people to listen to. You know, they play it around their kids and all that stuff. That's not really mm -hmm. the 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 boundary pushing stuff to me the boundary pushing stuff is the stuff that's going on in the production to me and yes. i'll be excited to hear a more fleshed out version of that in like the upcoming projects it comes out with exactly um just before we get to that because that was a perfect uh that was a perfect segue but i do want to touch on if somebody has not heard it or has heard our review and is kind of having second thoughts about the album what are what are any records that you would recommend that they that they give another spin or or a first listen on here? Oh, on this album, uh, I noticed that every hour doesn't get as much love uh, as I just comb through social media and stuff. So definitely that mm -hmm. I feel like the people that probably really love it are are gospel people who love gospel and the people who don't. I do notice that for people who aren't or haven't been grown up or haven't grown up around that stuff. I do notice that gospel music can be jarring to people, which is interesting. I think it just might be it's like loud energy. And I think for some yeah. people, the concept of that being tied to like worshiping Jesus, I think it's just really intense for some people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so every hour it might be overlooked for that reason. But at the same time, it's like, look, everyone's been asking for Sunday service, you know what I mean? And it being performed at Sunday service was great. So that's the other thing about this Absolutely. album. This album sounds better live. Oh, it definitely does. The Hallelujahs of Selah, like we heard those um, at the Sunday service. So before we knew it was on the album. Yes. Uh, and that every time I hear it, that's what I'm picturing is I'm picturing the Aretha Franklin Amphitheater where uh, where a hundred people are on stage screaming Hallelujah. Exactly. And, and rather than what that actual song, or rather than the actual Hallelujahs in the song. Yeah. You know. And I, I like that it doesn't have Kanye. I like that it shows that Kanye yep. can have a song that speaks to people that he's that he's not on. Um, mm -hmm. I think people definitely um, should really just 
I think everything we need is so good, and people keep trying to compare it to whatever was leaked off of Yandi, which I didn't listen to those leaks except for like one or two, because I'm not. I didn't until after. Yeah, because I'm not trying to spoil, you know, an upcoming album. Exactly, lot, I'm the same way. And a lot of people were like, "Oh well, this was better as Yandi." It's like that. That's why you don't listen to leaks because you never know. Yeah. What, you never know what's going to be cut out, and your favorite thing. It's might, a lose lose. Yeah, your favorite thing might go away, and you're going to be angry. So. Absolutely. That goes with anything, you know what I mean? Like if, if if a movie script came out early or something and you read it, like they're going to change some stuff and you're going to be mad, you know, that they changed it. So, Absolutely. yeah. And so I think that, yeah, in use, I think so. Yeah, definitely every hour, um, everything we need and yeah. uh, definitely, definitely hands on. Hands on is like the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hands on is uh, hands on and God is are, are my two favorites, along with Selah. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are definitely the three that stand out to me. But it's crazy that we've gone this whole entire podcast and have not mentioned the use this gospel clips record with Kenny G. Incredible! I love that record. Incredible! I love that record, and it's a testament to why I do like this album because on ninety percent of albums, that would be my favorite cut. Oh, absolutely! Like, but it. <laughs> But it's, you know, but it's somewhere in, like, the top four or five. Like, it's so it's, like, it's almost like it's, like, it's, like, you know, in the middle of the album in terms of, in terms of ranking for me, despite it being, you know, a, a, a Clips reunion with the Kenny G song and just not to mention an overall great, fantastic song. And can we talk, so can we talk about, crazy. can we talk about how Pusha T didn't do a cocaine reference, but No Malice did? Yeah, that's a little crazy. That was that's funny cra- to me. Okay, so so truth be told, that you brought that up, and that is a great point because when I was listening in the Fox Theater and we're hearing the uh, and we're hearing this for the first time, right. and again through the Fox speakers, it's an old venue with older speakers, and also keep in mind that this Jesus is King version isn't final, it isn't finalized and mixing. Oh yeah, yeah. so it sounds. So Pusha T, I know that the clips are on it because he says this. He says the song is with the clips and Kenny G, and so everybody mm-hmm. immediately goes nuts, and he starts playing the record. And Pusha comes on first, and I'm like, I think that's Push, but he sounds a little different. And then the second, and then Malice comes in, and then he has a cocaine reference. I was like, wait, okay, so no, that was Push. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought. So I thought after the first listen, I thought that um, that that the second verse that Malice was actually it was actually pushed and it was and it was switched around. Yeah. But then when I listened on uh, when the album finally came out, I was like, oh no, it was uh, Pusha T without a cocaine reference and his brother made one. Yeah. That 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 was interesting. Me. That was pretty unexpected. I thought the same thing. I was like, no, he's talking about getting caught with the trunk of Barry Manilow's. I'm like. You know it's bad when they're when they're comparing them to white people, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I love that track. And Kenny G, you know, people are have are mixed about that. They're like, I want it to be this and that. Like honestly, if you didn't grow up hearing Kenny G somewhere, everybody heard Kenny G at some point in their life, somewhere. <laughs> and when he starts playing that saxophone, there's nothing like it. Nobody else plays that like easy listening saxophone in that way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's really specific because it's like super simple. It's like one note at a time, and it, it just sounds good though. It just always draws you in every single time. Yep. 
Yeah, I love um, use this gospel. So I thought it was it, it was almost a crying shame that we got through this far in the podcast without mentioning that, is that excellent song. That is true. But let's transition now to the to the discussion that I have with Kanye, and you perfectly segued into it. But I had I had to interrupt to get that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but this seems to be from what we're from what we're being. Uh, we're being told from Kanye himself mm-hmm. and just the, the and just the difference in the music. This seems to be a clear chapter marker in the story of Kanye. Oh yeah. With you know his desire to no longer make secular music mm-hmm. and also when he's doing his old songs, he's doing uh gospel renditions of them. Like in the like in the IMAX film when he's doing Streetlights, which is one of my favorite parts of that. Um, oh, and yeah. then he says, um uh what what does he say? He changes something. I think in the he changes it to. Um, uh, I think he says now I. He says I know my destination, but I oh, see. I know the. I know one of them's negative, right? The eight hundred eight version is uh-huh. a negative ending to yeah. that lyric, and he changed it to a positive. Something about like I know where I'm going, and I'm going to get there kind of thing I, I like that's not that's like what he meant to say i can't remember the words but yeah, yeah he changed it from i don't know how to get there to essentially i know how to get there yeah and it was through and i believe he even says the word jesus i'm pretty sure probably probably um but it, w- it was a very cool moment nonetheless even though even though i'm blanking on it mm-hmm. so that that's a clear decision by him to change his uh to change not only what he's uh what he's making from this point forward, but also go back and change the past. So this mm. clearly seems to be um, a, a moment that we're all going to look back on in the story of Kanye. And that's something Chance said on Joe Bunn's podcast that really stuck with me, is that Kanye looks at everything 400 years from now. Like he looks at it as the, he looks at everything he does now as what the overall story will be when it's over. And the, and so, yep. And, Go ahead. Well, yeah, I agree. And also a big reason why some people think that Kanye is this mastermind that, like, has planned every single album. No, I agree with what Chance is saying, With I, I, and I know what he's talking about when he says that, but I'm talking about just the albums. And he treats every album like a time capsule, because he even said that about Graduation, when Graduation was coming out. He said, I want this to be like a time capsule for 2008. Or, yeah, was it 2008? I don't It was no, it was 2007. 2007. I want it to be a time capsule for 2007. And every piece of art that he's made is a time capsule for that period in his life. You know, like mm-hmm. we can tell, like we know what he was going through, through the Yeezus days, through each album's day, especially 808s, right? Being the clearest connection to something that happened in his life. Uh, Absolutely. And so it's like every album is this time capsule of who he is. And so as the years go by, everything seems like it was meant to be. Because because it was his life, he's just telling. He's just speaking from the heart, and that's what happens when when an artist is that honest over that many albums. If you start from album one and go all the way to now, you'll see a very clear journey. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's what makes this such an interesting chapter marker. One that I can't wait to look back on when it's all said and when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's interesting. It's interesting to see because he always does also at the same time manage to reinvent himself. And so I'm wondering, you know, just what a reinvention will look like under this kind of general parameter. Because this does seem to, 
I, I don't know if you'll agree with this, Don, but mm. this does seem to be one of the stronger uh, changes in like his career story and, and journey, right? Mm-hmm. I would, I think I'd agree. Yeah, no, I definitely would agree. This is like his uh, Bob Dylan going gospel moment, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier already, but like when Bob Dylan went gospel on people, I think he made like two or three albums of just gospel music and people mostly hated it, but he was just like, I'm just going to keep doing this. And then Prince had his like, except he was Jehovah's witness, which I don't remember what the relationship is to Jesus, but that, Mm -hmm. but that aside, he got very close to, you know, closer to his faith, faith and wanted to do away with a lot of things that he felt were his sins. And he felt that a lot of those things were displayed in his music. So he didn't want to make music like that anymore. You know, it, I would say those are like the two most popular versions next to Kanye of making that shift. And the funny part is I feel like both shifts were pretty unpopular with their fans. Absolutely. And it, we see what's the, what's the most famous quote in the world. History repeats itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, one other thing, though, that, that seems to be a shift, too, when I'm looking at his music is this last year or so when he really, um, which makes the life of Pablo all the more interesting because there is that gap between Jesus and life of Pablo. There is that pretty long gap. And then there's an, another decently long gap between life of Pablo and Ye, but not as long mm-hmm. as life of Pablo and Jesus. But from Ye onward, with all, with including all of the albums that he produced, because I do consider that to be part of his part of his content, mm-hmm. because he was executive producing all of those. Mm-hmm. Those are all very short, 25, 30 minute projects, and Ye was twenty three minutes, I believe, and this is twenty seven. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a two part question, and that do do we think that this that this is the phase of the career he's in where he's now transitioned to giving us just these 25 30 minute projects instead of these 18 track albums and if so what is what is the effect of a megastar from a previous generation in particular Kanye someone who grew up with the over hour long albums you know that was traditional that was kind of standard accepted right so um what what is that what kind of impact will that have when an artist of that caliber of just commercial success and of a previous generation transitioning to shorter length projects what kind of effect will that have on the rap industry it's a good question i think um it's more kanye being influenced by the younger artists i think i, I think that's the way i see him coming out with these projects i think that him and probably other people like good were like probably really into what these younger artists were doing, especially on SoundCloud, you know, how it's mm-hmm. just like, you just go in, like you just, you just have your verse chorus and you, that was it. You, you didn't repeat yeah. it, you know? And, yeah. and, and that's what most people want. And there is something disruptive about that. A lot of it honestly does come from, some of it is stylistic, but then some of it also comes from artists that don't really know how to structure a song, you know, like they get uh-huh. a vibe going and, they'll stop it whenever they feel like the audience is going to get bored. And it usually works when it's, when they when their delivery is well done, because, you know, we all have really short attention spans. And if you just have it playing in the background, you're not really keeping track of how many tracks you've listened to. So I think he's probably seen that and has wanted to implement that into his rollout. You know, he always wants to make sure that he's with the zeitgeist, you know, yeah. that he's, 
you know, if he's not creating the zeitgeist, he at least doesn't want to be behind it, you know? Absolutely. And so I think that's, that's one of the reasons. So honestly, I, I, I would actually be really um, surprised if it actually became like a standard in the rap industry, because I think this is already two years of Kanye doing this and younger artists that haven't even necessarily made it have been doing this. So honestly, I think we're going to see a shift actually towards the longer songs in the future. I think we're, I think we're going to shift back. So I wouldn't be surprised if we started getting more songs like Runaway and stuff like that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you just look at the, even the trap sound, uh, how it started and how it's evolved now, like, you know, Trap was kind of, I mean, Boom Bat was more so 90s, that was starting to get kind of fade out in the 2000s, but it was still there for the most right. part, but then Trap came in, and Trap was just this totally different element, and now you're starting to hear, you know, in 2000, um, like, 2000, probably, like, around, like, 15 or 16 there, you started to see artists kind of bring that Boom Bat back into the Trap, and, and kind of modernize it, yeah, so people, you definitely yeah. see the cycles of everything. Everything is a cycle. Yeah, I think what's going to usually happen is every time they kind of return to form, quote unquote, they return to kind of like a style that, you know, let's say if the 90s come back, but the 90s aren't going to come back like the 90s. You know, like you said, you might, you, yeah. it might be like Wu-Tang, but over trap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or whatever, or, or, you know, or a trap artist that sounds... You know, maybe more a Kanye version of trap. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so it's never it, it, trap is here to like as far as when it comes to like drum programming and especially the drum programming in like the eight oh eights and stuff like that's never leaving. But what's going to happen is I think people are just going to really make all that stuff sound more organic. You know, more experimental, longer. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. But yeah, you're right. It is kind of here to stay because it's become like its own form it's become it's becoming like trap drum uh drum programming has become as iconic as like just like that boom bap you know kick and snare you know yeah absolutely absolutely man uh, everything happens in cycles and history definitely repeats itself with music man it does um i think we had a great discussion here about kanye about this album i'm glad that we were able to touch on especially the, the the gospel element of it i think that i think that we uh that we really had a good conversation you really brought a lot of that to the table which is why i wanted to have you on here because when i if you remember when i texted you i was like you know i know you're not the biggest review guy but this is something that uh this is the album that can there's more to it than just a simple uh score out of 10 and what are your favorite tracks and what didn't you like it and and why you know, there, there, there's a lot more to this because this is a, a big artist making a big shift and doing something that is that is pretty different than what we're than what we're used to seeing, especially out of uh, especially out of commercial artists. So I'm glad that you were that you were a part of this, Don. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope all the stuff that I said made some sense. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was really uh, a good discussion. I'm glad that we got to cover all those topics and. We covered a lot. We covered a yeah. We, we did. covered a lot of things. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk again. Yeah, absolutely, Don. Um, again, for those of you that are listening to the podcast um, that don't know who Don is, somehow 
you could check him out the most unruly on youtube is there anything else you want to plug you uh no as far as like social media or anything uh so social media would be at the most unruly so just the same and i believe that yeah. in, i'm not as active on instagram at all but it's all the same handle at the most unruly Okay, yeah, definitely follow it, check it out, especially the YouTube channel because it is an ama- it is an amazing channel. Uh, as Don knows, I, f- I fell in love with it like three years ago when I first started uh, watching it. The breakdowns are absolutely fin- fantastic. He provides uh, what you do, uh, and I want to say this while while you're here. Yeah. What you do is super it, it is super unique, and it's definitely it's definitely its own lane. I appreciate that. That's yeah. definitely what I try to go for, so I appreciate hearing that. All right, Don. Well, I'll let you get out of here, man. I appreciate you coming through. As always, I appreciate our conversations. I appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon.